0: Underwater.
1: Under the sea. I can't wait till that one comes out with the new styled movies, so they make it like real, like.
0: Oh yeah, we Lions need another Kenning. Disney remake.
1: Oh, but that one would actually be cool, wouldn't it? With real live like lobster underwater what dancing. What if she
0: has a wardrobe mal- malfunction?
1: I gotta do that at the beginning of the episode. Can't we wait to the end for excitement and <laughs> things like that. Oh, uh, well, okay. We could do that. Happy summer, everybody.
0: Happy summer.
1: I'm looking for a pen and can't find it. So oh. now I guess I'll get back to talking to Bob. Bob, how was your weekend? It was fast and furious.
0: Here and, here and gone. You said you went and saw
1: the sunset at Hamlin Beach State Park. Is that correct?
0: I did. I needed to get some fresh air. And uh, I don't know if you've. Bend to this trail in Hamlin. It's at the very, very end. Uh, it used to be blocked off and now they have opened it up. It's a nice wooded trail along the cliffside, which is a little dangerous for stupid people, but um, hopefully none of those are hiking.
1: Well, we, we are, I'm a stupid person, too, and I know I'll, I'll go there at times. So, yeah, so I would be accused. Stay, but, yeah, it used to be a, a blocked off by a fence. What he's talking about is right at the end of the parking lot at the end of Hamlin Beach State Park, which is on Lake Ontario here in Rochester, just outside of Rochester, New York,
0: Hamlin, New York. Mm-hmm, right. So if you're going hiking there, stay on the trail. Because if you ch- classify yourself as one of those people that are, you know, not too bright, which I don't see that in you, Brian. I, I don't see that at all.
1: Sometimes it's dim
0: it's it's dim, are we talking to the lighting or
1: yeah, the lighting, you
0: know you know, and in my head? Oh, all right, well, you know, sense enough to stay away from a very tall cliff,
1: yeah, because it does. it drops off to to Lake Ontario, but it is a beautiful area, great place to watch a sunset, yep, yeah, it was very pretty. Uh, so that's good. I'm glad they cleaned it up. I love when state parks upgrade and make things easier access because people want to go see the sunset along that, that edge, so you might as well make it a, a safe
0: path to do so. I, I really like Hamlet Beach. I wish they would put more money into it because it needs a lot of attention. It has not been uh, serviced in a while. The roads are in dis- the parking lots the are parking bad, The parking lots right? are horrible. But, you know, we don't have the money, I guess, as New York to fix up our parks.
1: That's a good one. So I'm glad Bob brought that up because I think in the summer we need to be reminded that we need to be out and about and doing things. Hamlin Beach also hosts uh, a series of running races and multi-sport events. Fleet Feet hosts out there every year. So the Hamlin Beach, I believe this year it already happened, but uh, one of those things that happens out at Hamlin Beach every year. One year, actually, when Bob and I weren't, we were in different paths of our lives. Uh, Bob would happen to be camping out there one time when I was in a triathlon and Uh, We happened to catch up camping the night before because my son and myself and my cousin all camped out there the night at Hammond Beach, and we did the Hammond Beach Shoreline Triathlon. I forgot what year that was. Do you remember? I don't know. But that was pretty cool because I remember uh, Bob, I don't think, had watched, seen any of my race or anything. He's an old friend. He really didn't see me in the race. And then all of a sudden, here I am. uh, I'm I'm getting out of the swim. I jump on my bike, and there's Bob on his mountain bike going out for his daily adventure. Uh, And here I am zipping by him on my triathlon bike. Uh, it was just really cool to to have a, a friend of mine see me in that atmosphere, but, but that was and then him doing his normal thing is adventuring,
0: yeah that was fun you and your boy
1: that's right that's right with my boy that's right mm-hmm. um so so Bob and I have talked about Yellowstone before, and he came up across a really funny story, not funny, funny story, scary story, but something to remind people a little bit that nature does. Fight back. What did you hear, Bob?
0: So this story is really not that old. It's only about 12 hours old from what I'm reading here. And uh, a a little girl was tossed up in the air by a very aggressive bison. And uh, I I have preached this so many times. If you're out at Yellowstone, it's not a petting zoo. It is a wild sanctuary. For these animals, you're in their home. You have to be wary of them. And I'm going to read you a little bit of the story that that I found, okay? So a large bison that was meandering around a grassy hillside nearby had abruptly changed its course. It was now thundering towards the group of people heading straight for a, a young girl onlookers gasped wordless shrieks mixed with shouts of oh my god in a matter of seconds the powerful animal had reached the child who was trying in vain to outrun it with a swift toss of its head the charging bison captured the girl catapulted the girl high into the sky like a rag doll flipping her head over heels before gravity sent her tumbling to the ground it was the video has gone viral um, millions of viewers have already seen it. If you want to check it out, just type in those keywords: "girl gets tossed by bison in Yellowstone." Again, it's you need to be careful out there. It's it's those animals. A male can weigh up to ton, two tons. I mean, excuse me, one ton, so two thousand pounds. That's that's heavy. That's a
1: It's amazing that a beast and I saw the video Bob showed it to me before this episode and a couple of things just disturbed me about it. First of all, there was two older people with the child and they went scrambling one way and let the child fend for itself, which I'm disgusted by. (laughs) Watch the video folks. It happened. Now I know sometimes things happen in a quick instant, but there was definitely enough time from when that bison slowly started moving. And the other thing I noticed is the guy with the camera who actually caught it. He was way too close to that bison and in the foreground when the video first started, two people behind the bison were awful. If I was that bison, I would have felt pretty claustrophobic in that moment too, just with tourists walking around.
0: Yeah. Uh, and then last week I saw another video. I'm on uh, this Yellowstone Facebook page in which this massive crowd was around a a male elk, and they were just walking around in the field. It was lying down, but it was acting very agitated. And you could tell by its, its ticks and its, its movements. But they were just walking around like it was there for their petting amusement. And that kind of scared me. Nothing happened bad in that incident. But still, people, stay away from these animals, please. We are intruding
1: upon their habitat. Yellowstone is a super volcano that shifts. The whole land shifts constantly under feet. It's never not moving. These beasts, they read that. They smell it. It's a real place. You have need to see it if you have it, but if you go, you have to treat it with great respect. Please. Yep. All right, so now let's get on to a little bit closer to our, our cannabis Um and exercise side of things and recently i had someone talk about neuropathy with me uh and her husband ails from it and it in his case it's hereditary they don't know what's causing it a lot of times neuropathy kind of starts uh, with a loss of nerve tissue a common side effect to numerous to numerous ailments and those have suffer have been told by the doctor that there's no cure Peripheral neuropathy is the slow progression of nerve loss or damage, usually starting in the feet or extremities, brought on by aging, as well as diabetes, high blood pressure, injuries, meta- metabolic problems, vitamin dis- deficiencies, etc. So, we have a friend. He he's having problems with his feet, his legs, his knees. My uncle also is having similar issues with himself as well. Um, so. I was going down that road of the of the psilocybin mushrooms. First off, thinking maybe of something as a solution, uh, doing some research on microdosing, uh, and then further review says maybe not so much this psilocybin, but lion's mane or hercium erancius. I'll spell it h-e-r-i-c-i-u-m. Second word capital E-R-I-N-A-C-E-U-S, has been known for its curative effects in China for centuries. It is also called monkey's head, pom-pom block, beard mushroom, and icicle mushroom. It gets its name from the long, thin hairs that grows from its center, making it look like a pom-pom or a head of white hair. Ancient herbalists promised nerves of steel and the memory of a lion to those who allowed to eat the precious white mushroom.
0: Ooh, where can we get one?
1: I'm telling you. I, I passed that information on to, to my, to my friend and I hope she reads this article, but just something to put out there for everybody. Um, let's see. Uh, NGF is the protein molecule that was discovered by a scientist. Uh, I'm sorry, two, two people jointly in 1986 who got a Nobel prize for learning some of this thing, some of the positive properties of this, uh, lion's mane. So look it up yourselves. Um, I think it's an interesting read and it's something that definitely is a cure-all. So uh, I'm excited to stumble upon that information. Uh, so we have a guest with us today. His name is Clark Veely. He is a Rochester-born uh, and raised. He is one of the hustlers of Rochester by far. Uh, I, with my YouTube channel, uh, definitely want to bring drones into it. So, so he has a little drone background. He also is friends with a friend of mine, B.J. McKay, who is, a, who is one of the few women master plumbers in Rochester. Uh, and once again, he was brought to us by our one, one and only Anna DeRosa, who happens to be joining us today as well. And she's been doing a wonderful job for the show in the last month, bringing in some wonderful guests. So thank you, Anna. We appreciate that. But Clark, thank you for coming to the show. Thanks How are for you, having me. Sir? Good. Thanks took us about two seconds to realize this guy is ready to spew off a whole bunch of knowledge and, and wisdom on us, which I cannot wait. Um, but, but first, uh, born in Rochester, raised. tell us a little bit about your background, like a big family, small family. Like I was at? born
2: here. My mother comes from Italy, Sicily, Volganera, a little, little town right by the, the volcano. And uh, my father's family's from here. He's got eight brothers. They're all master plumbers. And so my family, I'm a third generation mechanical contractor, all commercial work. My grandfather opened the business in 1939. My dad took it over in 1980. He passed away about 12 years ago and that's when I took it over. So for the last 12 years, I've been doing all commercial plumbing around Rochester. That's amazing. What's the name of the company? Cav Mechanical. Excellent, spell
1: that for everybody. C-A-V, my initials. Check it out everybody. Um, So what do you like best about that that field? Or, or, I mean, obviously some people Brought up around family business, and they go another path. So. Well, that's
2: what got me into the drone business. But uh, growing up being around plumbing, I really got to see uh, how much of an impact around town you can be. My father knew all the guys at all the restaurants from Rockies, the Roncones, downtown all the bars, or Ronnie Davis and the Fitzsimmons and all the big shots. So just being around there and working at all the bars and restaurants during the day, you'd go there at night, and I got your name out around Rochester and got you more work. So just networking. But uh, the business has been part of my family as long as I can remember. I've been getting a paycheck since 16 years old. I've never worked for anybody, ever, but my
1: family and myself. That's good and bad, right? That's the truth. (laughs) (laughs) It's tough to get away from when you're doing something naughty, but at the end of the day, they're there to cover your butt, right? Yeah.
2: yeah. They got in all types of real estate, too.
1: Commercial or residential? Both. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite part of being a part of family business? Cause, cause I know you don't know my background yet, but I, I grew up in a family business as well. Uh, Smith flower shop on Hudson Avenue. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that or Andy's candies, that whole, I know Andy's right, Candies, that, yeah. St. Stanislaus there. So, so that's a we. My grandfather blew up, grew up behind Franklin high school there, Rexford street. That's where my parents kind of, my, my mom and her sisters and brothers grew up there and uh, so that family business we run. So I know how special it is to be in a family business and what you're allowed to do and not do. And you kind of grew up quicker than other people, right? Like your friends. So I get a lot of calls of people that my grandfather or my father has worked at their house or done work
2: before. And now that I'm there, it's funny how they expect the price to be the same. <laughs> 20 years ago. To yeah. And having the respect for being your grandfather's and your father's business, you still go there and you still be nice and you take care of the, the issues and problems best at hand. And it's a sense of, um, um, pridefulness of being there. Your family's been doing this for over 75
1: years. I like the call. I like when the phone rings. Do you have someone that really, tell me a story that surprised you, like someone from old school that maybe taught you something about your family or, or something that took you off? You got any of those moments or, or uh, have you I known? Had, come on. You so didn't.
2: I grew up going to work every day with my grandfather and my grandfather was, uh, was a character man he was a big OTB better. So when my grandma thought we were going to work, he, we were taking off going to OTB, and he thought he was being smooth by giving me $5 to be quiet, when well, my grandma was always smarter and offered me 10 mm. <laughs> cookies. So grandpa thought he was smooth, grandma was smoother. Wow. So I learned a lot from my grandfather. He had a lot of one-liners. Uh, he had 14 children, never got married. So he was a, more of a wild guy compared to my grandfather from Italy. He was very um, stern very more uh, old school per se, old fashioned. So you saw the mix of both. Absolutely.
1: So one side of you kind of tolerated your wildness and the other side wanted to hit you with that ruler. (laughs) That's the truth. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Are your both parents still alive? No, they're not. My father passed away of cancer 12 years
2: ago and my mother is, I just saw her tonight actually,
1: Cool. Cool. I'm happy here. I, I lost my mom and, and my dad's alive and my Sorry dad's to in town. That. Hey, so I was, I forgot to tell you about it. my dad's in town this week from South Carolina. So Excellent. He, uh, my update for everybody, my grandson was brought home from the hospital Sunday after three weeks at the rest of General NICU. He's now about five pounds uh, and he is not technically home, but he, he's at my ex-wife's house where He's being housed with my, with my daughter and, and the, their dog Buster, but everything's going very well. So, yeah. so sorry. I had to make sure I, I had the update for everybody who was listening, but, uh, yeah, so we're close tight knit family. So yeah, you know how that goes. You sure do. Do you man. have kids? No, I don't,
2: man. Not married. No kids. All right. So All about the business. You're,
1: so your work, 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 work. When do you sleep? Do Chase you? a check. Never a girl. I like that. But you, you do have your time to unwind,
2: I hope. Oh yeah. I'm a big scuba diver. My brother's retired um, two militaries, mm-hmm. and he works for Carnival. I'll be going on, I believe, this will be my 14th cruise here in a couple of weeks. So so tell me about diving. I love
1: Oh, uh, man. I have another friend who dives, so please.
2: It is. I try to get people that do all this other stuff here. They go to Vegas. They go to New York City. They go to all these places, and, but they never scuba dive. It's like going into a whole other world. You're taking your body into an atmosphere and in conditions you've never been in. So you're really, really testing yourself and your willpower and your mind. And you're seeing stuff you've never seen before. Literally, you've spent your whole life on this land. Why don't you spend a couple minutes underwater? It's beautiful. And I go, I've been all over the world from Hawaii to Mexico, Grand Turks, Greece. I mean, we've been all over. My brother probably got 2,000 dives under his belt. I'm just catching up at like 200. 200.
1: All right. So t- talk to someone, let's talk to people who are laymen and they want to take a trip or they're going to take a cruise or they want to think about diving and they go to an all-inclusive, which to me is probably the best way to dive because then you can really go a couple days in a row, right? Because tell people how you get into it. It takes a little bit at first. Well, right? the
2: best thing they got now is what they call snuba. And it's like scuba diving with uh, hoses that go down from an air compressor. That's the easiest way for the beginners to do it. Mm-hmm. But you really should, if you're going to go, you should really study and take your testing and get certified because your life is at, at risk. When you get down past, you know, 50, 75 feet, you can't just rush up to the top when you have a little panic moment. So you got to really know your drills and know your stuff. It's serious. But, uh, for the, what it's worth and what you get out of it. We have a YouTube channel, Anthony Vealy, and he puts everything. We put the GoPros on the head and on the sticks, the selfie sticks, and we go by and we see everything. He's feeding fish, he's uh lobstering, he's trapping, he's spearing stuff, harpooning. My brother is definitely a
1: adrenaline soul in the water. You know, he likes that rush. Yeah. And oh that's amazing. So You can get certified here in Rochester, if I'm not mistaken, right? It's a little pricey. Yeah. Where you go down there, it's a lot less expensive. 250 bucks. And and can you really, so if you go down to an all-inclusive for a week, um, tell someone what they could do from like the first time to by the end of the week, what they could be doing, a progression if they wanted to like go through Well, I
2: guess every resort would be different, but there are some resorts that offer the first day you get there, they have you do, you can do all your paperwork before you even get there. So all you really have to do is your beach dive. And that's, that's 20 minutes in the water. You go down, you take your mask off, you take your gear off, you put it back on. Once they test you in the worst conditions possible and you pass that, they say, all right, you're out. allowed to go out and dive. So you got to really practice like, like bad conditions. That's what they're worried about if you're underneath there and you get snagged up. Can you take your gear off while still
1: breathing, put it back on and get yourself free? That's huge. My, my, a good friend of mine and his son have both been certified. I think they both have over 100 dives already, and Excellent. he's been telling me about this. So how about the depths of water and how it affects your body?
2: Oh, man. So uh, the further you go down, it feels like someone is bear-hugging you. You remember when you were a kid and someone bigger than you would grab you in the pool and take you down and you couldn't move? When you get down to about 100 feet, you start feeling it because, um, first of all, the air normally is... <sighs> it's fine and the further you go down it starts feeling like you're sucking out of a milkshake you know out of the straw you ever get one where it's kind of hard you start sucking hard and now that you mentally you start thinking okay i'm not breathing now like i was up there and the further you go down the colder it gets so now you were just warm and now you're cold so now you're shivering you're not breathing and it's dark when you're at 100 feet there's no more light bro You know, you lose all purples, all yellows, all reds. So it's dark and all those fish, nothing, you don't see nothing until it's bam. fish don't smell like dogs. They have like, you know, sonar. They come up and actually give you a little tap and they feel your body. That's why sharks come up and give you a little tap. So like I said, these fish come up and get real friendly with you. So if you're not, you don't like things touching you, don't go down past 100 feet.
1: Is that your favorite distance to
0: dive or, or
1: depth?
2: Yes, because I've seen things. I've been down like 125. At this point, you're on advanced oxygen, what they call nitrox, and uh, you're getting to see things like Goliath Grouper, the size of like Volvos. You know, things going by where you're just like absolutely appalled. You could just feel your, eye, your eyelashes on the mask, <laughs> you know. Um, but you see very cool stuff, man. And the shipwrecks are the best. The sun goes through some parts, and then it's dark. So you're swimming through, like underneath the tunnels or caves. It's light. It's dark. It's very huge adrenaline rush, Hearts beating, full blast the whole time.
1: That's really cool. So where's uh, one of your favorite dives? Do you have one, or I tell too you many? what, man,
2: I love and everyone laughs at me. I love Mexico. I tell people it's the cheapest dive I've ever been on. It's as crazy underwater as it is above the water.
1: <laughs> really? You, yeah. That, so, so the Gulf
2: of Mexico. Gulf of Mexico. Cancun, Puerto Verde, um, any any of those places in Mexico because it's, a, it's more of a sanction. So not a lot of stuff is, is hunted there. So it's allowed to grow as natural and as big as possible. So you'll see lobsters bigger than this table desk we're at right here walking by at the oh, bottom. I
1: didn't think about that piece of it. So a lot of the times the ocean where you may dive really is based on whatever the, the laws are governing yes, the body of water.
2: Bahamas, Jamaica, all the laws are different. It's why you have to know your laws, especially what someone introduced what they call lionfish into the water. That's not something that was made in the water. Someone captivated it and put it in there. It's overgrown and it's in all the oceans now. So now they're actually making it that you can spear them, even if you're in a, what they call a, you know, a natural resort habitat where you're not supposed to spare just lionfish
0: interesting no no predators predators want to eat that thing
2: no natural predators wait to see how big they get they're black and white with these big they're the ones that people eat you got to cut the fin off or they're poisonous the black and white Mm -hmm. ones from deuce bigelow wow that's wild very cool
1: yeah and everybody water has fish that are like that that you're allowed to kill like my my brother has some fish in the canisius lake that you're allowed to kill
2: when we were in puerto rico we were going um we were going you can't scuba dive with uh with the shark whales the whale sharks but you can take off all your gear and snorkel with them on the way out to get those on the island of Racone, we got surrounded by 300 spinner dolphins these dolphins were so smart and they knew where we were going to the whales they were actually trying to protect us and steer us away from the bigger fish because it could have been a a predatorial issue, not knowing that the whales really don't eat humans. But the dolphins were constantly spinning around us and moving us. It's one of the most amazing things I've ever been a part of.
1: Did you guys get good footage of that Great you?
2: footage, man. <laughs> great, great footage. And it's unbelievable. You could hear us almost laughing and underneath our masks, like, oh, my God. I try trying to talk in the mask. Just crazy. And those dolphins are so much cooler because they spin underwater and in the air. It's spinning as part of their swimming. Huh. It's very different. So it's cool to see. That's so why I tell people you got to get underwater, man. It's so beautiful. It's untouched. There's no pollution. There is some, but it's not like on land where it's just it's just ruined. It's getting
1: ruined. And it's a sad shame, unfortunately. So, how is your opinion on some of the great white shark incidents going on on the east coast now? Cuz cuz I know though the east coast waters are different than other waters. So, uh, sharks are something that they're they're losing some of their prey, folks. Whether we like it or not, so they're coming into shallow waters, and they're going to continue to. So, so we need to know that. But you've been around the oceans. Not every ocean's the same. Not everybody' waters the same. Why do you think the East Coast is happening up in the East Coast?
2: There's temperature changes. We're messing with the oceans and the levees and the dams and the rivers. And I think everything that we're doing with with all that has a little bit of doing it. And this is the repercussions that's going on. I've never had a bad shark encounter. I've ran into multiple sharks. I mean, I haven't run into a great white yet, but I've run into mako sharks, reef sharks. Everyone knows the typical nurse shark you don't have to worry about. um, Black tips, uh, hammerheads. They're just like any, like a dog at the park. They just wanna come up and wonder why you're in their backyard. If you swim away from them and show fear, they're gonna follow you. Just like a dog would. You stand right there and hold your ground and put your nose out and just put your hands out. They come around you and walk right by, and you're like, what an amazing moment. And I got it on camera. Well, my favorite thing in the water, though, bro, is the hippie turtle.
1: <laughs> Very cool. So this is
2: shark, because you're underwater, you can't talk to your other divers. You try to stay within. You know six seven eight feet of each other so if there is a problem you could you could grab each other and whatnot and uh, the sign is shark turtle this is bug for lobster, because we like to grab the lobster. So
1: shark is a straight hand over straight the head, fin. folks. And then yeah, and, then, and, the and, head, and yeah. then this is
2: big fucking shark. Oh, big it's a big shark is shark. a hand over the
1: fin, <laughs> and the other hand out wide, and you're saying big shark, big as we shark. say, so I'm trying to describe it for you, folks. We got turtle. Turtle is, is the cool, hang cool symbol. Hang cool, with, the, with They the are so cool, man. So the fish
2: all have gills and fins, so they swim very adjacent and very fast. The turtle's just like... So cool. I, lo- I could follow him for hours underwater. He goes up and down, and again, another animal with no natural predators. So he fears nothing in the water. So that's why he. when I say he's so cool in the water, he's cool as a cucumber, man.
0: And you just follow and no touching.
2: No, I'm all over him. Wait till you see me. I'm the, I'm the guy that uh, I got to get my hands dirty. I'm a plumber. I'm used to putting my hands in sewers and stuff. Of course I'm touching that turtle. <laughs>
1: I love it. So are they responsive to human touch? Because Oh yeah, are, are all fish I are social. But right? they,
2: they can't get away as fast as fish, so you could kind of mess with the turtle.
1: <laughs> uh, what do they say about the turtle habitat? Is, it, is there a certain area you've seen them? Uh, no, uh, man other I, areas? I went
2: to one place where they call it like the turtle capital of the world, where we actually adopted a turtle. It was baby and let him go. It was really cool. We were in Grand Turk. And that was a really cool experience to like let 250 baby turtles go. And I get the, I can look up online. My sister-in-law actually was the first one to do it. They got us into it. And it, to have a tracker on him, you can look up online and see where he is to this day. Oh,
1: come on. Yeah. That's
2: very cool.
1: Oh, I need to do that for my grandson. It's
2: very cool, man. You can do it here. online. I'll send you the link. Please do. I'll get it from my sister-in-law. How oh. long do they live? Every turtle's different. You're in the ocean, man. <laughs> you know, it's tough for me to tell you, but they're supposed to live anywhere from 25 to like 85 to hundreds wow. of years.
1: So, uh, That'd be perfect for you. I know a twenty-seven-year-old turtle that I'm friends with. Okay, and I I think when you own turtles in your in your in like habit like in the U.S., you have to have in its paperwork like who you're giving it to next.
2: Yeah, you do. Actually, he's right.
1: Yeah, it's a big deal. mm -hmm. It's all part of like the licensing that goes with it. I don't know the whole, you know.
2: It was a cool experience. I recommend everyone that uh, that that cruises. It was one of those ports. I was at Grand Turk, and I recommend everyone try, especially if you have children. Very cool experience. You're saving something. You're going back with it, and uh, you're keeping up on it years to go. And you could always go back and find out his family members too. It doesn't just do that turtle. You got
1: family members you can keep an eye on. That's cool. The whole turtle tree. I would just love to watch and see the migration pattern of my turtle. Like, is he a cool turtle? Is he a lazy turtle? Does he have a lot of friends? (laughs) They should
2: do more stuff. The kids aren't playing video games, and now they're studying and doing
1: stuff like that. We just talked about our last episode that they're changing the science standards across the country. Next Generation Science Standard, right, Bob? That was the name of it? Oh, yeah. And what they're doing is doing a phenomenon-based now. Wow. So that would be perfect for a classroom to adopt a turtle, and then from kindergarten, because they're going to do this for K through twelve. Can you imagine you could track like everything that your turtle did over your whole lifetime in school, and like have like something that he's done be on part of a test? For Very
0: t- cool. Wouldn't that be really cool? Yeah. Like I said, like you said, that'd be a great gift for your grandson. Oh,
1: no doubt, I'm going to do that. Like I got to figure <laughs> out how to do it. If I got to go down there and you know launch it myself, whatever I got to do, I'm oh. going to do it.
0: Like yeah, I can see you tortured tortured on that idea. Yeah, yeah, I know, exactly. Good down <laughs> for a weekend.
1: Oh, man, so exciting. All right, so scuba diving. Uh, you didn't kind of, anything else about scuba diving and someone wouldn't know that would be cool before we jump onto the, the drone stuff? I'm not a big cave diver.
2: My brother oh. tries to get me to do it. He's too much of a gentle and drunk. And night diving, no thank you. All the, the whole ocean comes out at night, man. It's nocturnal, everything. My brother loves it. They just made neon glow sticks illegal in the ocean, so I refuse to do it. Okay, so,
1: so let's talk about night diving a little bit. Has he ever been attacked night diving? Of course. Come on, how do you oh. not?
2: Listen, I have videos of my brother because he likes to... Normally, if you shoot or harpoon something, you should get it and get out of the water quick. Everyone knows that yeah. sharks smell blood from miles away and will be there within minutes. My brother picks a spot, cuts fish up, throws it in the water, waits an hour, jumps in the water, sees a big barracuda, shoots a six-foot barracuda, cuts that up, goes out, switches tanks, waits an hour, then goes down. Now he knows there's sharks there. Oh and now God. he goes down yeah. in the water and we start filming. <laughs> Is that he's in a complete adrenaline junkie. I'm the guy wow. that can get in the water and just go, oh, pretty fish, mm-hmm. pretty reef. Look, snap, yeah. snap, 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 get me out of the water. No, he has it all set up. So these things are actually attacking him. So he carries a bag, like a net on him. So when he catches lobster and fish, he shoves it in this flap and it stays in this net. Well, as he's on his way back to the boat, and when you're at 50 to 7,500 feet, you have to do what they call a safety stop. And you have to sit at about 15 to 30 feet and you have to let the blood nitrogen boil out of your system. Otherwise you'll be in a decompression chamber. So while you're at this stop... These fish and these big fish are coming up nipping at your catchings. Uh. So, the idea is if you're gonna catch or shoot something, try to catch it at 30 to 50 feet so you can go right up to the top without your safety stop. Otherwise, you're a sitting duck for prey. Mm-hmm. And this bag is right on the your side, so you're you're fighting off turtles, you're fighting off fish, and now there's a shark, and he's circling you, and you can't even get to the top yet. You got to wait. You got one more minute and a half of this, <laughs> and so, you
1: can't go up no matter what because you're screwed. You your don't body, wa- you
2: don't want to be in a decompression chamber, bro. I'll fight that shark before I go in that chamber.
1: So, it's, so so, tell me about decompression chamber.
2: Never been there. Thank God. No, it's not a pretty sight. Every scuba diver tells every new scuba diver, be careful, take your time, because you don't want to go in there. It's one of those things. I don't think you want to learn the hard way. I listen to my elders on that.
1: So that means if you were on a boat, you came out to that, you'd have to be rushed to a hospital and came off that boat and instantly, run, ru- instantly, you'd be
2: feeling basically blood and nitrogen coming out of your skin. It would look like a rash, all red. Your blood would be boiling, basically.
1: Wow, that's amazing. I love learning this stuff, though. Very cool. And I, you actually have made it. I'm scared of the ocean. But really what I'm scared of is going in off the waves, off the edge of an ocean. But to dive, I think it's different. It's like I'm worried about jellyfish and, and the little things that come so, up. And, you know, so my first like couple of times
2: I couldn't get. Uh, I don't want to say comfortable. I want to say calm because I'm a sports player. I played soccer my whole life and sports. And you always breathe through your nose. Now, when you're scuba diving, your nose is covered by a mask. You're breathing through your mouth in and out. That tends to get you exhausted a little bit faster than you're used to. Everyone knows when you start running, you start breathing through your mouth, you're almost done. You know, you're almost out of air. So you got to get used to being calm and natural breathing through your mouth. So it was hard for me to adjust. So what I had to do, my brother laughs at me still to this day. I get in the water and as I'm sinking down, I close my eyes and I hit the bottom and I take a couple deep breaths. I open up my eyes and I'm calm and I start my dive. And he says, and he just jumps in like, you know, James Bond off the back of the boat, guns blazing, ready to go. And because I only get to do it a couple times a year, you know, it takes me a little bit more to get acclimated. And he's set, man. Him and his wife, they love Florida. They go kayaking. They go boating. He was lobstering today. I'm going down there in a week. We're going scalloping.
1: So his wife uh, is right there through all this stuff. She's
2: got the drone. She's got her own drone. I got her a, a, a facial recognition hand, hand drone. Doesn't even have a controller. Marianne is awesome.
1: I love it. <laughs> All right, so calming going in there. So have you ever used CBD to help relax yourself before dives?
2: Um, not before dives. I've used CBD because I have a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. I like CBD. My friend has a shop, and uh, I've given CBD to my dog at a 14-year-old pug that was on CBD for the last year. Um, he used to have seizures, and the seizures were really bad until I gave him the CBD, and that helped calm it. God rest his soul. He just passed away two weeks ago. Sorry to hear My little boy, R.I.P. Santino. And, what kind of uh, dog? Pug. Yeah, got them from my brother in Florida, the scuba diver. Mm, yeah, nice. yeah. so Santino's not with us no more. No,
1: sorry to hear it.
2: Yeah, but uh, I'm a pro and 100% CBD. I have uh, friends, parents that are sick that have treatments, even treatments outside of the country that have worked and cancer-free. So I am very pro for that whole conversation, and not just because uh, um, I'm in the business, because it's helped people personally and my friends and family.
1: It's hard to go against all the stories
2: now, isn't it? Amen. Hey man, uh, when you hear people tell the real story, how they told me I was on my deathbed and there's nothing I can do, and they gave me chemo and radiation, and I'm losing weight, and they told me to go home and spend the last two weeks with my family, and people get flown out to different countries, and they're getting different treatments that the U.S. governments refuse refuse to give. If on someone's deathbed, I would try anything, not something you don't make money on. Talking about saving somebody's life. A business is a business, but you're saving somebody's life. Enough's enough, America.
1: All right, so we'll sit on our soapbox for one more minute before, before we tone down the CBD a little bit. But I just read something. I was looking up some information about blue raspberry flavoring this week uh, and some other things. And I read that in, I think it was 1972, Russian studies showed that red dye number two caused cancer. 72. It took to 1979 for the FDA in the United States to take the same stance. And when Russian scientists found it, they mandated that all manufacturers immediately stop. Not in the U.S. Seven years it took. How many people were in the pockets of the FDA for those seven years to say, we got all these products stocked up. We got to sell them all before you do that to us. I hate to think like that. It's corporate America. But man,
2: it obvious all seven those guys years and, and what's the
1: the we had to have our own studies it took seven years for you to figure out what russia knows like you couldn't just say okay we're off our soapbox stuff." <laughs> so cbd uh, so it did help at the end of your dog's life though. absolutely did
2: they gave me other medications and for a week straight he was having up to six to eight seizures a day still until i got him on cbd he stopped
1: so how old are you by the way 39, 39. just turned it last week. Awesome, Uh, congratulations, happy birthday belated. Thank you. All right, so in general, you and your friends, uh, just general, and you guys are out about hanging out or people you run across in society, what do you think the tone is at this moment of CBD in general?
2: Oh man, it's getting a lot of recognition right now. I see it in a lot of salons, I see it in a lot of stores. Uh, My mother's in a holistic medicine, so we got it in her little shop. Um, I tell everyone, try it. It might not be for you, but it's something new. I get it. But, uh, you know, it depends on if you're looking for pain, anti-inflammatory, anxiety. Everyone's got different stuff that, that tends to hinder and bother them. You've tried everything else. You've tried Advil. you tried ibuprofen. you tried to leave. you tried all these government-made drugs. Why don't you try something a little more natural? The worst you can do is not try it anymore.
1: Do you find there's conversations with you and your elders and your family more so now than before? Or was it taboo talking about, like, anything about the cannabis plant before oh, or CBD my family now?
2: is so old school. So... I mean, they'll smoke cigarettes, three packs in front of me, but God forbid they see some, you know, marijuana or some CBD oil or something anywhere. It's a, it's a huge, you know, uproar. They're just very old school Italians, man. So yeah. I'd be respectful and I wait. As soon as they leave, we light up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, luckily my family, it's, it, uh, they're all coming to their senses. We had two people that passed and neither one of them had cannabis in their life. And uh one of them you know started to use it a little bit at the end, and there's noticeable, so our family, our elders are are on board. it seems like that's so, good so I think I'm more fortunate that way because there's
2: not one recorded death. come on, not one, but you go out and drink
1: It's amazing this whole thing the the big the man, the man, whoever that man is, they want us to smoke cigarettes, and they want us to drink that alcohol guys that's why' it's, that's why it's prevalently available to us they that's keep, the government and the lobbyists. It's, uh, but it's getting better. And the state by state and the grassroots that we've gone by is getting us where we
2: need and to And knowledge and the youth. It's really in our youth. Mm-hmm. We can get the kids to promote it and it started at a young age. It'll be nothing to be taught that the whole way through. When I was growing up, my dad was smoking Winston's, no filter, three packs a day because he thought it was cool. I see all his old movies he watches, John Wayne. They were even smoking in the Three Stooges. Rolled up in, the-, Rolled up in the-, <laughs> the greasers. I mean, they thought it was cool. The politicians were smoking. The rich people were smoking. Everyone on TV was smoking. It was cool to them. They, I don't expect my mother, my father not to smoke in that generation. It's tough you're... our generation I look at people and say you know what it does now and you see it every day on tv they didn't have the internet they didn't have advertisements they didn't have groups trying to stop it only promoting
1: it so today's now when you make that choice you know you know what's coming and where you can consume it now makes it very obvious when people are smoking and and it's amazing how few people you're seeing smoking now and if they are they're almost like the outcast now it's, real, it, it's funny. Like
2: I remember going up, they'd have smoking in restaurants.
1: Oh, yeah. How about the post office? You ready for this one, guys? Imagine a room of 35 letter carriers, and there was an <laughs> ashtray attached to every one of their cases. So <laughs> while they were sitting there sorting mail, they were so smoking. you had, basically had three pieces of equipment around you, and you'd sort into little slots for each address and they'd tap the cigarette out on the on the ashtray put it back in their mouth and so, so all the letters smelled like smoke like how did not everything in the world smell like smoke cuz i would say 90% of the carriers were cigarette smokers good dude that's so funny all right so health-wise, so you're healthy. You're a trim man at 39. Uh, sure.
2: So uh, you eat right. Eat pretty good, man. No processed food. All I drink is water. Besides hanging out with uh, your friend Anna.
1: Yeah, and she's she gets you. <laughs> what, what a rock star. <laughs> Anna's a lot of fun. She is a lot of fun. Yeah, there's no doubt. I like when we drive down the street and and I'm that guy that'll sing out the window. I don't care what everybody sees me doing. And I go down the road with her and she, hey, what's up girls? (laughs) She's my, she can be my sidekick anytime in the car, man. We'll start conversations with everybody, right? Yes. More
2: friends, the better. I like it. And that's not working, man. It's the way of life.
1: Did you like growing up in Rochester and Greece in general?
2: Man, I had a great childhood. I can't, I tell people all the time, I'm truly blessed. My father worked a lot. I played every sport. I always had wrestling shoes and a basketball and a new baseball mitt. I grew up with a big family. We had Vito, uh, Joey, Jason, Sammy, Frankie, Anthony, Danny, Salvatore. Uh, you know, there's so many of us and then we grew up in my neighborhood. We had a little bit of everything My neighbors were Jason and Travis Coley two black kids Then we mm-hmm. had Willie and Jose Vasquez next door were two Puerto Rican kids and then it was our Italian family So we ran the neighborhood and uh, we did all types Jason of stuff. Jason Coley
1: is that you said? Yeah Yeah, he's a serious baller like you talk about football player. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Buffalo State back. So Ooh. he does all my
2: security for um, the management company whenever I go out of town. He's a big boy
1: yeah, I know him. He works uh, down here at Hoogan sometimes, but I, I work for the newspapers here in town, and he was, uh, that your your age group is kind of the group that I was covering.
2: He was my neighbor. Holy smokes, dude, that dude was a beast. I'd play sports with him growing up, and then he'd go on a team and play a normal-sized kid, and we would just run through him after playing with him all day.
1: How could you not? <laughs> he's a
2: beast. And he, he's great, man. He's got kids. They're great. I was just working at his house, actually. Really, really good dude.
1: Uh, I happen to run across another, uh, just because we're talking about severe athletes, se- supreme athletes out of Rochester, Dane Miller out of Rush Henrietta he as a basketball player, he went to Rutgers. I happened to run him. He was in Rochester the other day. I ra- I'm like, hey, how come you're not out in uh, in Vegas right now for summer league? He's like, oh, I just got back from playing in Morocco. So he's one of those kids that's playing overseas from Rochester. You don't hear Excellent. about him. You don't know he's still playing, but the dude's making money balling, man. We got some good ballers. John Wallace. John Wallace, I remember day. him. He's a little How of you, right?
2: Yeah. I used to hang out with his best friend's little brother Funny story about John. You ready to laugh? I am. Tried to beat me up. You see how tall I am, right? Mm -hmm. I can't be 5'10".
1: And John Wallace probably now is about 45 years old. Yeah. He's he's about seven years old. Yeah. So uh,
2: we were at, I think it was Steve Fleming's house off of Holmes Road, and his older brother was friends with John. He pulled up, right? Remember that big scam that went down where his agent bought him a Range Rover or something? He showed up in that Range Rover. Well, these guys being trick basketball guys were throwing the ball like the trick shots over the garage, about the bing, the boom, off the thing. Well, the ball, he shot it. The ball bricked and went so far over my head and hit his Land Rover, he got mad I didn't stop the ball. There was no way, even if I was on stilts, I could have stopped this <laughs> yeah, ball. Yeah, it was way too He came over, he was pushing me. I was like 15 years old at this time. This is a big dude. Yeah, Syracuse so yeah. baller. Yeah. I keyed your truck, John. <laughs>
0: Oh,
1: <laughs> I love it. I love John Wallace. I'm praying we can get him on the show sometime because I used to play ball with John at English Village it's back a good in the day. Player. Was, oh, and, and it's yeah. his whole family. Serious. All those guys ball, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then you said you went to Franklin for a little bit. So oh you had man, the Mobleys. I
2: had, I had a very short stay in the city schools. I was getting in a lot of trouble, obviously, um, being the outcast in there. Yeah, being the Italian. Yeah. You had to protect yourself. Oh, man. I'd get, I thought I'd meet friends like in wrestling practice. And I'd be walking home with the guys I just wrestled with. Before I walked in my house, they'd take my shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I tell them I did. I need another <laughs> pair of shoes tomorrow.
1: <laughs> now, when you were in the city, did they know you're Italian or did you get mistaken for being Hispanic?
2: In the city, I get mistaken for being Hispanic. When I get out, I get mistaken for being. Turkish
1: and Arabian <laughs> I can see that look to it. Turkey right Right? You can see that right Bob Yeah definitely oh, I got man, a really
2: good friend That's in Turkey right now Doing big things Oh yeah Yeah Edge Oh cool
1: Oh, uh, Someone from Rochester Yeah
2: someone from Rochester Another business owner We could probably get on here for you
1: Oh excellent yeah. So what, to, uh, just randomly Edge used to just... own A,
2: a Rondacoit Hots oh, He used yeah. to own the cell phone store In the same plaza And now he's out in Turkey Trying to get our free bands Trying to get us big uh, Record deals out in Turkey Excellent Yeah doing yeah, big know, things Edge, man
1: Yeah I met him a couple times Oh really? <laughs> Good stuff. Anna knows shout everybody. Shout out to folks. Edge.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so oh, shout out to Edge. He's getting married. He just got engaged in Turkey. A little arranged marriage. Excellent. Just happened last week. Oh, Love you, Edge. Congrats.
1: I want to hear about enraged marriage. That's right. All right. So real quick. So now I want to get onto some drone stuff because. All right. All right. So we both have YouTube channels. Yes. Sir. Mine is Brian Lane's Ski Video, So just a little background okay. for my listeners for a minute. Uh, I do ski videos where I go to. I will show you the beginning of the run, or I'll show you uh, the trail map, where we're going, bam, and then I do the whole run top to bottom, I label it green, blue, black, the naming of the trails, and I show every trail coming in and out, so if you haven't been to that mountain before, you can see that whole trail through my eyes. That's
2: awesome. I no. want to think the same thing up for golfing, so when the guys get to there, they can look at the holes before they get there to pick out their
1: clubs. Uh, yeah, it's a great idea. Genius. So So I want to add, the, the it's a little tricky with the ski industry, you know, because, you what are you gonna do have a drone follow me down a trail or through a glade with yeah trees, right? actually
2: my new drone will follow you obstacle avoidance up to 55 miles an hour
1: all right so so this is what i want to do is i want to get these mountains now to agree to me to have a drone with me and then have because i wear the gopro hero 7 okay. i also have the fusion 360. perfect that fusion is nice, man. It's beauty. The only bad part is it doesn't have the anti gimbal technology. Like oh, it's, the, not, it's not stable. Yeah, that, that, yeah, you have to add something to hold it you know, for it. But it's still, at the end of the day, it's 360. So I have the Wayface Train Park 360.
2: Wait till you meet my partner, man, in the drone business. He makes everything. I mean, whatever you need for your drone, he makes the, the racing copters. He made our, our hexacopter, he made it from start to finish. So this like I said, terrible. if you need something made, a gimbal stabilization system for your setup, he's the guy for it. He's the tech I love it. dork I love it. Of, the, of the century. Oh,
1: not the right guy. So so I want to take it to the next level, right? So I got a, a couple hundred followers, whatever, but I got over 100 videos now, uh, and I'm, I'll be constantly adding. So next year I'll go to a couple more mountains. I got about you know, nine usually minimum of six videos for one day at a mountain, all the way up to, I think I got 22 at Gore so far built up. Excellent. But I'm going up and down Vermont, I've been to Stowe. Oh, Killington, so I want, right? I wanna get that too, but I have, a, I have a, we did a dual day about a month ago, where we snowboarded and skied at Killington in the morning, then we went back and water skied on Boston Lake in Albany in the afternoon.
2: So I've always been a skateboarder. <laughs> when I ski, my legs shake, I, so I snowboard. I don't know what it is, at a certain speed, all of a sudden, I turn into a six-year-old kid that's never been on the hill before. You know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden, I hit a certain speed, and I forget everything I was doing. Has that ever happened to you up there?
1: not skiing, but there's other things in my life that I, I do that with, definitely. <laughs> like what? Yeah. I thought uh, I was like only me. climbing a roof, right? Okay. I used, to be, I used to be a roofer for a couple of years. Okay. So I have some shingles missing on the house that I bought, and I'm up there to replace just those couple shingles. So I've walked roofs up steep pitch roofs. So I went up there and I forgot that the shoes I was wearing, my running shoes, weren't the best gripping. So the front had a little flat to it. So the minute I got up on the roof, I'm like walking like I normally would, like aggressive. The minute I felt that one slip and then looked at my foot and said, oh shoot, these aren't the right shoes, I became Spider-Man and I was seriously no more than six inches. My stomach wouldn't have been more than six inches off the roof at any time. My brother's down (laughs) at the bottom. So it's a two-story house, 40-foot ladder, I would went up there, confident as heck, no problem, jump. And then all of a sudden, it was like, I don't have this traction. And I know I could have made it and done everything I needed to, but I just the fact that knowing I could have slipped, my brother is laughing at me on the ground, like he left me up there seriously for a couple minutes because I wouldn't even go from the peak down to the ladder because if I had slipped, that ladder had to be held so I could hold onto it and not slip off the roof, right? And I was—he's just sitting there laughing at me for fifteen minutes. I think I'm going to, you know, hang out here and have a glass of water. And I'm like, older brother, younger, two yeah. years younger. oh man, he oh, was yeah. getting even oh,
2: for all the stuff, bro. Hey,
1: dude, <laughs> decade worth of stuff that day. So. Dude, I've been, uh, I could walk any roof anywhere at one point that uh, now I've walked off going, I think I'm done on roofs right now. Big wimp.
0: Falling is a serious thing.
1: Oh man. I know. But still, I used to be pretty confident in roofs. So the drones. How did you get into drones originally? Did did your friend turn you onto it? Oh no,
2: man, this is a crazy story. Yeah, um, yeah. actually, yes. My partner Chris Dominicos, actually came to me. He was teaching at MCC, and uh, he was making about thirty thousand dollars a year, and uh, he was doing all the work for the guy. He was teaching everyone how to get your part your FAA Part one hundred seven license. That's what you need to fly commercially to charge people. Anyone could be a, a hobbyist and fly, but to charge people, you gotta have your license.
1: So what was the name of it again? What is it?
2: FAA Part one hundred seven. Okay.
1: All right. And what does that consist of? That is your actual drone
2: license. Um, that's, um, they just boosted it to 100 questions. It used to be 60 questions, and they boosted it to 100 questions. The laws keep changing. Have you noticed that, how new that it is? That's what I'm is. asking.
1: Yeah, that, and yeah, they're regulating
2: totally. it. So um, they're making you redo your license every two years. And let me tell you something, it is not an easy test. You have to know all your METARs. You have to be able to talk to uh, the, all your towers, talk just like an airplane pilot. Or same exact talk. You got to know all about the humidity and the clouds, the altitudes. It's very, very smart stuff. I don't think anyone can just go get your pilot license.
1: No, I agree. And, and I learned that recently. That's why I'm so glad to have you on. As much as you can get into this, I want you to teach people because generally speaking, anybody can go to a drone and buy one. Anyone can. Yep. It's scary.
2: So my partner came to me and said, you're a good businessman. You're, uh, you know, you like to go out to meetings. You like to go out of town. You like to do the face of it. I'm kind of the, the, the tech guy. Um, we should do something. And uh, I thought it was really cool. He came to my house. He flew a couple of them around. I mean, he had the FPV four or five years ago before it was even big, like the racing drones. He was building those racing drones before they were even out and on TV. At my house, I'm telling people, I don't even know what this is that he's bringing over here. But I was very interested and I knew it was a wave of the future looking into it. What happened is I got a cut, you see, on my hand at work. Typical guy running the business. I was in a 100-year-old building on Monroe Avenue, the Boardman building. And uh, 7 o'clock in the morning, I got cut. I duct taped it, went back to work, worked a uh, double shift about 11 o'clock, went home, took a shower, passed out, I had to be back to work at 7 a.m. Instead of going to the hospital and having to cut clean and get stitches, I went back to work, worked all day, got an infection. Ended up becoming MRSA. I had a staph infection on my hand. From being years of a plumbing industry and digging holes and being around all the old buildings, I have grown immune to antibiotics. I grew up having a lot of ear infections as a kid and scuba diving, You know, I have a lot of um, issues sometimes. So I'm allergic to all antibiotics. So when I get sick, I'm like a baby. I can't just go to the doctor and get pills and get better. I'm taking garlic. I'm doing hot tea. I'm like the old-fashioned washcloth, sweating it out. Like drink alcohol to sweat it out type stuff. And uh, they told me, you have to pick a new trade. I said, what do you mean? They said, you can't be around the dirt, the grime, the tools, the chemicals. You can't be around it. You should basically be in a bubble. They said, your, your, your immune system's like a baby right now. And um, I fought it for like two years. It was really bad. So that's when I got into the drone business. I said, I got to do something where I'm not dirt. And I just started Googling new and upcoming businesses with great growth in new cities. And um, droning came in. And I said, man, that kid just came over, showed me all these drones. Like, this has got to be a, like a sign. So I started looking into it. It wasn't much to get into it. We got a couple drones. It started off as an aerial company. Where we were doing work for Howard Hanna. Um, and we do everything for our news. We're their eye in the sky, but they buy everything off us so we don't get any recollection of it. You know, they pay for other footage. Of course, yeah. Then as seeing the potential in there, I said, man, being in the construction sites and on the jobs all the time, I said, there's got to be another avenue of this. You know, we're making $150, $200 here. We're doing weddings, $300, $400. It's fun because you're meeting people and you're you're flying a drone for work, but you're not getting rich. And I already got businesses where I'm doing very well for myself. So I said, I got to find a way to make more money. And that's when I got into the thermal inspections. Me and my partner got some money together and we picked up a $30,000 sensor. We bought the brand new FLIR camera and had it put on with the, with the gimbal system on our drone. Now we can do 3D mapping, thermal data collection for architects, engineers, site contractors, town municipalities, private collection agencies, lawyers, U of R, RIT, anyone that has their own business. As far as we worked at the prisons, we've been at the malls, we've done the Park Avenue Fest, Puerto Rican Festival, East Avenue Festival. We are the premier drone company in Rochester. I've been open for three years. We have all our exemptions. We can fly at night where most companies can't. We can fly from moving vehicles, which most companies can't to do like videos and shoot good suits and we're in with the police the police has a lot of stuff where um they don't want to train their guys to do it so they just hire us to do it
0: that's incredible how big is this drone
2: we have multiple drones i was gonna say how many you up to now uh i think about 12 right now we're up to 12 working drones in the company
1: What's the smallest one you operate and what in the smallest space?
2: Well, we have a training drone. I should have brought it here today and flown around here. Um, it's what, we, what my partner was teaching at MCC. It's a little white drone from uh, we send it home with everyone that takes the course. It's about $35 dollars. To $65, depends on where you buy it. We buy them in lots of 100 so we get them for 35 bucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, for 60 bucks, you can get yourself a very good drone to learn to fly inside. As you get outside and you're dealing with weather conditions and wind, you want to get yourself a little bit heavier drone with a little bit more heavier propellers and motors to balance for the wind. That's where you get into some of those hexacopters and octocopters you see mm-hmm. going out there with the big like movie set cameras. It's got to hold all that weight, and it's still mm-hmm. got to be stable. Interesting.
1: Do you, how is the competition here in Rochester? Is there a lot of people? How many people do you think are licensed around Rochester? There is thinking? a lot
2: of people doing it. There is not many people licensed. You can go online and see all that public information. There's not more than 20 people licensed here. There's over 100 people doing it commercially. I don't want to be that guy, but they are going to be cracking down on people. And when oh, you sure. get caught, it's a federal offense. Mm-hmm. So Aviation is no joke. It's, I try telling people. So the police try to take me down all the time. All the time while I'm flying the drone, they come right up to you. you, take that down. So you obviously don't know the laws, and you touch me again, I'll have you arrested. I'm a federal agent while this thing's in the air, buddy. I tell, I'll tell cops all the time, you'll be on traffic duty, touch me again. They don't know the laws, and I get down and show them my paperwork and all this stuff. They're like, oh, I'm a sorry, excuse me, can I get your card? I said, your boss has already got my card. Keep it moving, bro.
1: So, so tell me a little bit about um, what documentation you need to have to protect yourself when you're out and about.
2: So you have to write exemptions for everything. The first thing you do when you get a drone job is you got to go and make sure it's not within five miles of the airport, which means normally go in there the day before. If it is, you got to call all the traffic air controllers. You got to know all the flights, what's coming in, what's going out. And you have to go at their time when they say it could be, it could be at two o'clock at seven in the morning. When they say you fly, you fly, you know, they control everything at this point. You're at the mercy of their will.
1: So my question is the airport is actually right next to where we are right now, um, so five-mile radius, that's almost a lot of Rochester, isn't it?
2: Yes. Yes and no. I'm I mean, from reaches- Scottsville. I could do it in my house in Greece on Mount Reed.
1: Oh, so there's out of the five-mile range. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. but uh, So part of Henrietta, Bright- yeah. Brighton, the Absolute, city there. absolutely, man. Absolutely.
2: U of R? How about U of R? You can get permission. Like We've done yeah. commercials at the U of R for production and stuff. You just get permission. You call the traffic control center. You call my lady, Dorothy. Shout out to Dorothy. I love you, boo. I
1: had a feeling you knew all the traffic controllers. So
2: um, those people really help us because normally you got to pay lawyers to do your exemptions and you need an exemption for every job. And when I say you have to write down exactly what you're doing from the minute you step out of the truck to set up your equipment, you have to tell them every move you make. These exemptions normally take us a day to write. And that's why we're getting about $2,000 a day to drone. That comes with processing Um, flighting, and it almost takes two days to do the job, to do the one-day job.
1: And do you have to document the whole flight,
2: too? Everything is documented by the government. As soon as you turn, when you register your drone, every time you turn it on, they know what you're doing. Not saying someone's watching you, but they can go back
0: and, and look at your flight instantly. Again, you can purchase a drone at Target but it seems so complicated when you talk about it. That and actually to use one, it, I'm I'm perplexed by this.
2: Well, they have um, little small drones from Target are going to be what they call a plastic hobbyist drone. They're going to do 360s. They're cool for inside the house to zip around. My drones are are utilized for working. We got drones that drop water, you know, like for irrigation. We got drones that do 3D mapping. We got thermal vision for heat loss and inspection. Um, so our drones are more worked where right? I can't do any tricks with those drones. They're heavy. They're solid. It's not like, you know, being on a motorcycle where you can pop a wheelie. Those are the little fun drones you see at, 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 to- at Toys R Us. Or the racing drones target. that
1: you see on TV in those races.
2: Those things are hard to, I fly drones all the time. Those things are hard to fly. It's different than your typical, uh, drone operation.
1: It's, it's small movements, right? Yeah. Like subtle, small movements, but where you're bigger drones and heavier drones, you're actually have to go slower, right? It's a,
2: I would like to see drone racing, if you guys are listening. I'd like to see you guys up the way to the drones and the sizes so the people are more involved. You can barely see these little drones or what they're doing, and they're easy to, I'm going to say easy to fly, but if you had bigger drones with guards on... You could actually bump into each other more and make it more of a fun, bigger, more of like a roller derby type sport for drones. And I think I think that would pick up a little bit big. I just put an offer in for the Sam's Club in Greece for that building. I want to bring Rochester's first drone racing league here. Oh, that would be cool. That's a little news for you, Rochester. Oh, I love
1: when, I need I, I, love I need a couple Uncle.
2: more investors, Rochester. Let's do something here. I'll put something in the notes about
1: that. So... Yeah, because I, I want uh, my thing about 10 years ago was we need an indoor skate park. That'd be great. I mean, there's really no in, in good indoor skate park in Rochester. There we isn't. need one bad. Uh, I know there's some guys doing some private ones. So there's a handful of guys that go buy a space at a warehouse that's like horrible and they take one floor and then they just build jumps on it and stuff. But there's no official real indoor skate park in Rochester. Can you imagine if you did an indoor skate park and then had the drone stuff above it? That'd be cool, so You can make a two-in-one in that building.
2: Listen, we need to do something. I'm visiting all these other cities. I'm doing business in Austin. It's an amazing city. I'm doing business in Atlanta. Amazing city. Rochester needs to get caught up. We need some guys, the old school money to come out and give some young guys some loans and some business and some help and open up some more businesses. Otherwise, this is going to be a dying, dying state.
1: I agree. We definitely need some of the older money in Rochester to come out and help some, because some, we have a lot of millennials with good ideas uh, that can do things. What, what's your opinion of the people in Rochester, though? Because uh, it seems like it's hard to keep something sustained in Rochester. Entertainment venue, bars, restaurants. Rochester's a finicky city, man. Yeah, that's, a,
2: that's, that's a trend. Any restaurants that's been open for seven to ten years obviously does well because they're running it right. That's right. But uh, in Rochester we need to come out more for our sports teams. We need to come out more for our communities. We need to come out more for our small companies. I was in Austin, bro. They have no franchises. I went to the store to try to buy Corona or Bud Light, nothing. They don't carry none of that stuff. They're all promoting all their local businesses. They're all using each other. It's making the city thrive. you got to see the building and the growth down there. I'm going down there, a kid from New York, and these guys are giving me shots without knowing me, just sitting down and watching me work. I'm down here in Rochester. People know how I work, know my family, know I have money, still don't give me a shot or a job. That's why I'm traveling out. So I said, I want to make Rochester awesome, but people make it tough for you around here, so I'm venturing off in other states and cities
1: and you're finding the same thing i found last year traveling as many places as i traveled denver down to vegas philly new york the people outside of rochester are less judgmental and less conservative and more
2: friendly mm-hmm. and open to ideas and businesses and partners and strategic
1: partnerships and and not looking at people as being weird for being different right here in rochester if you're not doing what everybody does, you're looked at as weird or like what's wrong with you. You go anywhere else and you're just a mixed another person doing uh, your thing. That's the truth. It's tough. I'm 47. You're 39. It's frustrating. How do we get our friends to change that mentality? So my son is 20 and he's just decided he's going to change his major. He was going to be a finance major at UB. So he's through his first two years. Now he's got to really focus right. So he's thinking more of the psychology line now. And because he in the finance stuff he learned about numbers and then he learned about uh the marketing side and he liked the marketing side but he liked the stuff that dealt with why people chose to buy things instead of like the sales side of it. So psychology is where he's gravitating. But he said this he said this the other day. Too many people and I don't think he realizes this is Rochester more than anywhere else are trying to live other people's life and not living their own lives. Yeah well thanks this is to the social
2: kid. media. Okay. It. everyone puts all the good stuff on social media. Everyone looks like, uh, wants to be famous and rich and all these islands. And the truth is, not a lot of people can afford vacations and clothes like that. And they're wasting all their money and their savings on this stuff. Um, it's kind of sad, but it's the way society has taken a turn, of course. You don't have to be part of it. But uh,
1: unfortunately, we're all affected by it. One of the things about Rochester is we don't appreciate the music we have here. I'm down listening to a uh, Peep Frank band with a couple twin sisters that had these booming voices at Pelican's Nest on a Saturday night a couple weeks ago. And the place is virtually empty. There's like 40 people on the mic. This music is rocking. Like, this is, I can't imagine there's probably one or two bands that are playing better music in Rochester right now, and there's only. Forty wow. people here. It's has like,
2: gotta be the person that maybe management or promoting them too.
1: He's all over Facebook. The oh, he's, I looked at the over? going okay. and the interested, right? The numbers and this is the other thing. It worked. I, I see I see events and it says interested going and you multiple hundred people.
2: And then nobody shows up.
1: Forty people show up. If you would have saw the interest from that event, you would have said this is gonna be a packed house down We're going. That's the funny thing about roster. All these people it's all show.
2: It's all show. You guys got to come out. You got to come out. You got to stop eating at McDonald's and Wendy's mm-hmm. and Burger King and sit down at Tom and Nancy's. Sit Jayler's. down at the local spot, Shellers. Come down to the beach. Get an ice cream at Abbott's. Tom and Nancy's, you said. I love it. <laughs> They're, down, <laughs> the They're down the street from me. They're down the street from me. Gaitano's. <laughs> I grew up, my first job was at Carmine's for Morrow and Car, man. I used to open and close that joint. I wasn't even old enough to work. Shout out. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that is that's old school Rochester. It was fun to live in Rochester when we lived. When Man, we were. I love that
2: job. The girls were on the roller skates. Still, we used to bring all the guys after school there. So we'd well, have on one Ridge of Road. the guys call up and order a pizza every night. Right? The boss finally caught on after like twenty times and never pick up a sheet pizza. So when we get out of work, we say, "Boss, it's been sitting there for an hour. Let us take it home." After like twenty nights, he realized it was our number. We kept going outside calling from our own cell. <laughs> 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 Remember the old flip phones, the I Star Techs? <laughs> <laughs> the love good it. old
1: days. Man, that Carmine's building—that oh, good old times. They knocked
2: that down. They just moved in front of Tops now. They're over there in front of Tops. Last they t- did. And I
1: still—I go in there every once in a while for that old nostalgia. Yeah. So I've been in my house
2: my whole life. My really? whole life. I came home. I bought my father's house. So I've been there for
1: thirty-nine years. That's pretty incredible. So he's
2: like the he's like little mayor of the community. You know, everyone
1: that needs anything comes over, and, and we take care of it. I love, so you still, is your old man still there too? No, he passed away. Oh, oh passed right. away, I apologize. So. Yeah. So, it but made, it, they still, you're still like the center hub of all the older people it, in the neighborhood, right? Man. Like, it, they it, still come to people you? People
2: can't believe I live there by myself. It's five bedrooms, three bathrooms with an in-law apartment in the basement.
1: Holy smokes. Sounds like you need a couple of roommates.
2: I did that, man. I'm good. I'm making enough money now. I right? like everything just the way it is.
1: You're on it your way. <laughs> yeah. I'm that way too. Uh, so droning, uh, now we I think you mentioned something about you guys who helped out prisons. How does drones and prisons how do you help out? Like, so
2: we got a call is if we would come down and uh, do a five thousand dollar consultation. The minute I hung up the phone with the with the gentleman that called from the prison, I looked at my partner and I said what the hell does he want? A consultation? What's this? He said, whatever it is, we're giving it to him. <laughs> they wanted us to find out how to stop drones from penetrating their security breach in lines, basically. A lot of the inmates and criminals, as you know, are very smart people. They got nothing but time in there. So normally they let the dogs out to us get the grounds before they let the prisoners out and get pick up on anything. Prisoners got real smart, and they're using drones now with magnets to drop the contraband, which could either be notes or drugs or weapons, however you want, whatever the contraband may be, with magnets so it's sticking to the fences and the guys are coming out during their outside time and getting it on the fences. So the dogs and stuff aren't even smelling it. So they're coming up with the best thing we could come up with besides a, an EMT gun for, you know, $50,000 to shoot electronic, you know, solar wave out of the sky is netting like at a baseball game. It's the cheapest for maintenance. It doesn't have to be replaced. It's tough to cut through, and it won't let nothing through, and it'll get stuck. So what happens is you could actually chase that drone down. So if that drone got stuck in that netting, you could take that drone down, get it into its flight command, and see where it came from. Ooh. So that was the idea behind the netting.
1: So how would they put the netting, like over the whole prison or well, like a, like a, a straight up We decided up to
2: do it at certain parts and outside the prison instead of over the prison before you even get to the prison. That way, that way, they would know in radio affairs. And obviously, being a prison, they have other radar technology yeah, of course, there's out other, there yeah, yeah. doing something. So that basically, helps. you found the
1: weak points of the, of we, the system. We, we
2: strengthened the weak points in their system. It's tough to talk about. Yeah, too. No, no, yeah, yeah you, you know. got
1: Yeah, no, no, that, that makes sense, though. I mean, because no matter what, there's always weak points no matter where, where you are.
2: We right? had a lot of fun doing that, though, because they, they said, we really want you to test our system. Like, you know, we want you to break in. So they said, we want you to do it next week, but not tell us. So we came up with a little plan. You know, how are we going to do this? We have a couple big, big drones and little drones. So we had a couple big drones go in in the front and one in the back. And those caught those and got those. Meanwhile, we had a couple other smaller drones zip through and get in while taking. So all we needed was a nice diversion. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but with the netting and stuff, nothing can get through with a diversion or not.
1: That's cool. So you were talking about the technology, the thermal technology very intrigued by that wave
2: right? of the future you can see through the walls <laughs> through the roofs so when I come up and they just get done with the roof a lot of people pay me for progressionals big companies in town um, we go on the roof the two by four gives off a certain temperature the shingle gives off a certain temperature so does the roofing nail so I can see all three separate entities in that picture because the temperatures are different mm-hmm. so when he misses the stud with a with a nail I can go back and tell him you have a probable spot to lose a shingle in there. He'd miss the stud. It's into nothing. So I'm a guy's nightmare. The people that work on the job, when they see me show up, they're scared. They know everything's on camera, and all their work's getting tested. But I'm a boss's dream. I make sure all his work gets done right on time, and I do everything live feed to his laptop, to his watch, to his cell phone, to anything for service techs. We do a lot of work for heating companies where I'll be on... um, three four four story buildings They can't put a ladder up or it's snow and windy out. We could send the drone up though and take
1: a look and check out the problem and now less insurance have the person falling. So can you get so pinpoint that you can see the issues with plumbing or heating in internally? We in buildings? get
2: to the exact degree that's why the sensor was so expensive. We get to an exact degree per pixel per right. pixel.
1: All right, I got something for you. There are all these old plumbing. All right, let's talk about Flint, Michigan. Okay. Bad plumbing, bad water delivery. Obviously, that's an issue across the whole country. How does that technology, like, so you can go and figure out which piping is, can you use your technology to figure out what pipes are the worst to replace first for, like, municipalities? It
2: depends on how far underground they are. I can't see, you know, 10 feet underground, but okay. we do have sometimes when they do what they call radiant floor heating in the systems, and there's a leak in the system, you don't just break open the whole floor. They turn it on, run the water, and then I, I take a picture of it, and when I see the hot water running through it, I'll tell you, okay, your leak's right there. Um, another thing we do very well, solar panels. And we could zoom in with these drones, too. So once I get above it, I zoom right down the exact degree. You can tell when someone's sick. If I was to take a picture in this room and one of you had a cold, one of your noses would be blue. And the rest of your body would be red and heat. Oh, man. It's so cool. You could go on our website, demandadrone.net.
1: Do you know what I want to do? And I, and I had a guy who had a drone and he, him and his buddies use the drones to help kill coyotes out on the, on the west side. They find
2: them heat signatures and they go out and get them. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And farmers, and, and I don't know if you know this, everybody in Rochester, uh, coyotes are an issue here. Yes, they are. They are a serious nuisance. They are killing dogs. They're jumping over fences at people's houses and killing dogs in Greece and Hilton area. I'm sure Hamlin out there, but they're getting aggressive. So what I'm saying is not bad, but I, I have done triathlons for 18 years. I want to do a triathlon in the dark where you see my heat sensor the whole time. I'll uh, have the drone follow you. We'll so, pull. like, I'll do a swim in Canisius Lake. Like, I'll do, like, a, a quarter-mile swim, and then I'll do, like, a bike around Canisius Lake, and then a run and just watch my heat sensor the whole time. That's cool.
2: I get a lot of the rappers that want to shoot videos in it because it looks like the member of the Predator. Mm-hmm. It yeah, gives you that yeah, heat signature, yeah, and there's multiple did. night vision modes. We have, like, 11 pallets that we can go through with our heat sensor to make it look icy, uh, colorful, um, for the police. You know, everyone has different systems they're using. Because when you get up a police car, we send a different signal to a police car than we send to a police chopper. They have different technology. They got to read it and read and process the data differently.
0: So daytime heat doesn't impact?
2: Oh, It does. You can get a lot of false ratings if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. You'll be second-guessing, triple-guessing, absolutely. That's why it's nice to get up when that sun starts to come down because after, especially after beating all day, you're giving off um, radiant heat. Radiant heat off the, off yes, sir. So do you see the radiant
1: heat in, in the signatures too? It's so
2: cool. I'm going to have to get on the website and show you stuff. We've taken pictures from working at Kodak to outside shooting guns to um, the newest drone right now. I'm on a waiting list. It's an underwater drone. And this is like a submarine. Yeah. I've actually put money in with the production with the startup company because I'm so interested and I want it to get done.
1: Yeah. You're <laughs> that, I'm, I, that I'm part
2: of one of the board members <laughs> that I really want this to get
1: done. That's pretty incredible. I, I'm not allowed to talk about it yet. We're not no, public. It's okay. Yeah. No, that's fun though. Can't say no names yet. Wow. This is fun stuff. Yeah. My mind. Re- 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 so have you used a lot of your drone footage on your YouTube channel?
2: No, my partner has though. Okay. He, what, do, he does. Yeah. He does all that. The YouTube channel was Please. for the scuba diving. Yeah,
1: yeah. that's and, what I was curious. And uh, we
2: do have some stuff like on the boat, like when we get to the Bahamas, I'll send it up and circle the boat. But when I'm underwater, I obviously can't do anything, so mm-hmm. it's one of those. But you can see everything we do underwater on Anthony Viele YouTube.
1: I'll spell that for people. Say no.
2: Anthony A N T
1: H O N Y and Vili, Viele V I E L E. And make sure you check it out, folks. I know we're gonna. Uh, so man, that's so. Will you sleep when? I love my sleep. I get
2: good sleep. I go to bed early. nine thirty, ten o'clock, I'm in bed. I'm up by 5.36. Back um, at it. My grandfather and my dad were early bird risers. Um, I'm in a new business now. It helps me keep up late, so I've been getting a little, a little tired. I'm an entertainment manager now. I've been traveling a lot.
1: And that's the last piece I wanted to bring up. You got a third... Career now you're starting. What so you got going I met on? a this couple guys.
2: Exciting. I met a couple rappers out of Atlanta, based out of Rochester, um, raised in Atlanta, that wanted to hire the drone service to do a couple of their videos. Talking to these guys and getting to know them and seeing the business that we like, we ended up opening up uh, TMP. That's a record label, and we hired a couple. Got a couple rappers signed them, and we're going back and forth. Shout out to Free Bands, Big Boy Casino doing big things, helping us out. My boy grandson got me involved with these guys. We went down to Rolling Loud. And I got to meet uh, Guap Tarantino, Lil Trevo, Lil Wookie, and the best producer in the game right now, ATL Jacob.
1: That's exciting stuff. How'd you get connected?
2: Uh, With grandson, man. These guys came over and they were doing a rap video here in Rochester and they needed a drone to follow their Maserati around. Right here in Rochester? Right here
1: in Rochester. Why would people pick Rochester for something like that?
2: It's cheap to do production here. It's cheap to rent stuff. We get a lot of bang for your buck around here. In case you ruin something, crash into a building or something, it's cheap. (laughs)
1: That's a good point. So what about, has there been other uh, movie studios or anything asking about your drone stuff?
2: Oh, we do a lot of stuff. So people that do our production is a Fourth Coast Productions on East Avenue. Go look into Matt White, guys. He's really big. He's on Amazon. He just dropped literally this week the documentary on Brazilians. I got it on my laptop. I forgot the exact name. Yeah. So he did Bridge Brothers, and that's on Amazon as well. And uh, he's really big in the Jewish community down here. And uh, he's been doing business for 20 years. Matt White, Fourth Coast Productions. He does all our processing, he does all our promos. He's just great at his job, man. He gives us LA style work at Rochester prices.
1: And there's another studio, I think, on Gates in the Kodak Park there, isn't there? Have you ever done work with the Lions? Or?
2: Oh, Lionsgate?
1: Yeah, Lionsgate, Lionsgate.
2: I haven't, but I have researched them because you want to see what your competitors and people are up to and stuff. Also, CGI is another company doing big
1: stuff around here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, CGI is really... I wish you now.
2: guys, I'm calling out to you. Other companies need to strategically partner up and get Rochester big. Let's do it.
1: That's right. You got to create the partnerships and grow everybody's businesses. That's right. What's the future plan of the the drone before we get into more about your recording? Tell you what, it's not as big in Rochester
2: as I thought it was going to be. I'm down in Austin with it. I'm down in South Florida with it. And now I'm making moves to Atlanta with it. So um, my big plan basically to make this really, really work is to get out of Rochester and I hate to say that. I would love Rochester. I've been here my whole life. I wish more people would come out and support us. I'd stay right here. But I got to feed the family. I got to think of uh, to keep paying the employees in progression. And I got to think of the future. I got to be three moves ahead. And everyone knows with New York state taxes and just the state tax alone puts me in another tax bracket in my businesses. I got to go.
1: Man, it's, that's a disappointing but realistic response. That's the truth. That's the real truth. And
2: I've been sitting here waiting. I've been sitting there waiting for it to change.
1: Well, you don't want to leave all your family. You, all those people are still your cousins. You probably got a thousand cousins, that, right? Like you everyone's
2: getting a little bit older now, and they're married with families. <laughs> so we're seeing each other around those certain weddings. You know, I hate to say this, funerals. You know, graduations. So um, I'm at the point of my age where I can't let my family base my my business decisions. Nice. I'm a grown man, and I know better.
1: Oh, no, that's right. You got to find the happy medium. Yes, sir. That's good stuff. So, so, tell me about the recording artists. Uh, do you have them performing locally, nationally? Where, where yeah, yeah. Them?
2: We got something at the California Brew House coming up. He's opening up for the baby coming at the Armory. His name is Grandson. Go to imgrandson.com.
0: Oh, he had a song out just uh... he just
2: had Yeah, we just dropped Feel Like Floyd, and we're going to be doing a video at Collection Agency. Doing big stuff with Bob, Floyd. Bob,
0: you heard it, Bob? Yeah, i Buffalo alternative. Yes, eh, yes, what? he's
2: out. I've got him on in Buffalo. i got him on in Atlanta. He's here in Rochester. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> think really Bob was good. And shout out to my boy Don Juan. Shout out to grandson's brother Cato coming up. He's in Rochester from Atlanta right now. He was on WDKX last night doing big things.
1: What's your plan for these guys? Come on. You said I am I am grandson.com. You can uh, see him, right? Yeah, you can see all his stuff. We just dropped him on all major
2: platforms. I got his brother coming up next. He is good friends with ATL Jacob, who is the best producer in the game right now. He did the last eight tracks on Future's Wizard album. He just dropped a new one, but his last album. Really cool young dude. I'm meeting all these amazing people, man, and we're networking. We're doing big things. I went to Rolling Loud with four or five of the best guys they're young free bands yfpg it was trevo wookie guap and my boy tess tess is in england right now doing big things this dude gets it going on I'm telling you man they got good energy i love this free bands i'm moving down to Atlanta to go be with these guys
1: why not i've heard so many good things about that area yes sir it's exciting so um what do you think what's the timetable and who's going to run your, your mechanical business when you leave? You got i got, got family to...
2: members collecting cuts. You know, being Italian, the business will always be taken <laughs> care of. Collecting cuts, he's, nice. nice. he's got to talk do a lot, like
1: a mafia
2: <laughs> <story>. <laughs> It would, It would started like that, so why can't it end like that? I love it. That's <laughs> awesome. And uh, my partner will run the drone business, and I'll do it on the side and I'll always hire people. I love any interns from U of R, RIT. I pay good. Anyone that wants to get in the drone business or tech business or the mechanical industry, architects, engineers, you come talk to me.
0: So, Bob, did you like the song that you heard? I did. I And when I heard that the grandson was coming, we touring last year somewhere around Buffalo, I think, yep. I wanted to go. because What? I, I know.
2: Listen, he's on the future Meek Mill tour. A guys, come, come September 15th at Darien Lake. He'll be opening up.
1: We're going to go see him. Yeah, I got to go. I mean, if Bob mm-hmm. likes him, I got to like because I, I tend to like the same music Bob does. So All right. I, I can't believe someone over 50 is going to like your artist. A little trap music. I hope cool. you like
2: trap music.
1: Define trap music. What do you mean? <laughs>
2: It's uh, Trap music would be the guys that are literally in the streets putting the work in.
1: You like, know,
2: Drake is not trap music. Yeah, you These guys that. are real guys putting the work in, street soldiers, you know, selling the drugs, you know, taking a finessing, working the real streets for all the big guys in the thing. So when I say trap music, these are real guys talking that talk that if you don't live that life or talk that talk, you don't even know what they're talking about. So people say, I don't understand what he's saying. <laughs> That's because you don't understand anything, what's going on down there. And until you get down there to Atlanta and see what's up, you won't even understand trap music. All right. I'm going to have to get a little educated on trap music.
1: <laughs> I like it. Um, what, what have you found in your life? Uh, fear? Has it ever been there? People are afraid to do things because of fear. You ever felt it? Man,
2: I, uh, I had one time in my life where my, my father passed away. He was real sick and I had to take care of him. And the cancer ended up taking his tongue and his mouth the point where we're giving him like bolus feedings and that was my biggest fear was losing him because he's been with me for all my endeavors I lived with him I did all my partnerships with him all my business with him we used to pound steel on the water at Crescent Beach for the Army Corps and the U.S. Coast Guard we got properties downtown he'd bring me we do the out-of-town gambling runs with the Ferrari boys he was into so much stuff he makes I feel like a child here talking about him and I just wish if I could be the half the man my dad was I'll be a good dude
1: That's some good stuff. So, so any business decision you've gone to, and you said with the drone stuff, it almost came to you like kismically the way something happened. The universe
2: brought the drones to me and my partner and I'm going to keep bringing drones to the universe. I plan on taking, if it's not this city, one of these cities over by air. The drone is the wave of the future. It's the best employee you can have. Only multiple businesses. It never lies, cheats or steals. It has no kids, no wife, no ex, never has to take a lunch, doesn't have to go to the doctors, don't even need workers' comp. It's the best employee I've ever had.
1: The reliability is? Oh, 100%. And every owner loves 100%. And that's because you are the skilled craftsman behind that to make it go 100%, right? Oh. So it's got to be a piece of you. You guys got to be that disciplined oh. crew, right? My father and my grandfather believed,
2: from when I was a little kid, I say his one-liners, his sayings were the five P's proper planning prevents piss poor production. Amen. That is it. Too. Isn't that a military thing? It is a military thing. Don't cut corners cuz they will always come back to they bite you. They taught me that's why I do well in my plumbing business. Do it right the first time. They said if you wouldn't leave my house like that, your own house, don't leave the customer's house like that. You always look at my truck out there, not lettered up, nothing. You do work, you get work by good work and word of mouth. I don't have to advertise not one bit. Never did, never will.
1: That's why I was curious when you mentioned your company name that I had never heard it because I've been around Rochester my whole life and I pay attention to every vehicle out there, phone numbers, names, because I look at all that marketing. I'm very busy.
2: I have my certain customers. I don't have to reach out in the phone book and wail the old lady and put the knock on her. You know, I'm just I'm just not that company. I'm a very family based, family orientated company.
1: What would you tell, let's say, uh, kids either just debating go to college, starting businesses? What kind of advice would you give now as a business owner, being around families, to people that maybe uh, are, are not as big of risk takers as you and I would be? I would tell young kids
2: these days, don't trust anyone whose TV is bigger than their bookshelf. Read as many books as you can. Stop watching TV. Stop watching the news. Put your phones down. There's a book for everything. I try to read a book a week. So the idea is people that write a book did a lot of research on that book, and they know a lot about that. It took years. So I try to read a book on love, on finance, on relationships, on being successful, on, on, on whatever, whether it's being a good brother, being a good son. Uh, there's books out for everything, knowledge, 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 young people. The more you know, the more you're worth, the more people will invest in you.
1: My mother used to call the television the boob tube.
2: <laughs> it is. All it does is sell sex.
1: <laughs> it is so funny. That was from the get-go. Get out from in front of the boob tube. Get outside and play. Get out from in front of the boob tube. And I was explaining to some to some, uh, to some people in my life recently like how I used to live raising kids. And, and I, I kind of went through. I raised kids. I was working at the post office 50, 60 hours a week, and I was training for, for Ironman and triathlons. Okay. And the one person looked at me and goes, when did you watch TV? Like I was missing a piece of life. It, believe it or
2: not, some of that is part of our, our, our generation, our genre, is television. Because my grandparents, the way they talk about television, two channels. And one person in the neighborhood had a TV. And the whole, all the families would get together and watch that one or two
1: channels. For an event they all talked about all week for you know, whatever show. And now there's TVs and your car
2: rests on your phone. On your air conditioner, on your refrigerator. your
1: air conditioner. (laughs) It's crazy. You're right. LED screens everywhere. Yeah,
2: LED screens everywhere.
1: I just went uh, this weekend. So Facebook and Instagram won't let us promote. So I like to use the social media for promotion, right? And to spread the word to my family that doesn't live close so they can see what's going on in my family. That's what I use. I'm very honest. So right now, Facebook and Instagram won't let any cannabis companies Hemp companies, anything related to that, advertise at all. They can have their own pages or whatever, but they can't do f- formal promotions. Oh,
2: I didn't know so that. So the
1: Hemp Industry Association has paid over a million dollars for a billboard in, in Times Square. So I got there, and I've been to Times Square before just recently, but being there now where I was searching out a billboard to see to have my picture taken in front of it and then to see all the billboards. And then at one point, there's one billboard that you can stand in a certain spot and be on that billboard for that 10 oh, seconds. Oh, that's cool. So I got myself video doing that too, right? But looking around... I was a little appalled. It was a lot of TVs. And there was some big, big TVs on the side of those buildings. Times Square is a little bit out of hand, I think. Like it is like the people walking around are all heads up. I'm watching people bump into each other and just it was a little too much. That's what it's known for. It's flashy. I I know, but just the television. We're talking about the boob tube, like that Mm. is like it's everywhere. Down there. People could just be hypnotized we,
2: we were just there a couple of weeks ago we're in the middle of uh signing a deal we're getting grandson on as an ar artist with universal def jam congratulations very very big right huge. now
1: mm-hmm. that's you. so you were in new york city
2: yeah we've been there twice i'm supposed to go back i believe next week to finalize it
1: so did you enjoy your time in new york city the people because i i loved it i i
2: I love the energy. I'm a high-strung, high-energy person, so I, no. fe- I, I, feed, <laughs> I feed off of that. So yeah, we, we were walking in the fountains at 6, 7 in the morning making rap videos.
1: Oh, perfect. That's how We were it. in
2: the fountains making it drip.
1: <laughs> and probably nobody yelled at you, though.
2: Nobody yells no. at us. We, we walk around with our posse and our clique is so deep that <laughs> not having the police tell us what to do
1: oh come on you're being we're, respectful we're, sure we are we breaking got the, things we're you're, not you know. we're not
2: ruining anything but we are being i guess you know we are walking on things we shouldn't be walking on and we're taking videos kind of where we shouldn't be but we're also promoting it and putting new york city and stuff on the map so we're also advertising it as well
1: yeah and you're respectful if i could tell right you come from a family that something bad happened i'm do not like doing anything covers. to jeopardize my money
2: or the Your business artist. you know yeah, my artist, for sure. Yeah,
1: I love it. So you just like adventure. Go, go, go. Definitely, man.
2: You live one time, and uh, I said losing my father very young, he said a couple things to me in his passing that uh, he wished he spent more time not working so much and actually enjoying some of the smaller things. And someone that is passing away, and they know it's coming, and it doesn't happen abruptly, they get a lot of time to actually really think about stuff. Like, my father was never a religious man, but his last couple of weeks... He was making us pray with him. And I feel like when you, when you get down to the last couple of things, you really, what matters, what's important, really settles in. And everyone knows it's none of this, half this other stuff we're talking about.
1: I think it's a theme lately I've been bringing it up. It's really about life experiences, and the relationships you have in your life. Everything else is nonsense. And obviously money's nice because you're driven by money to to a degree, but at the end of the day, you're not totally driven by money. Self, by you want to have great experiences. Yeah. It, you want to have great experiences. You're going down south. You say the drone business, but it's more than that.
2: Yes, yes. The, the people down south, the weather... I spent a month in uh, California. I spent my first Christmas on the beach. I thought it was amazing. My sister lives in San Diego. We were in La Jolla and Clemente, two beautiful parts. And literally, I spent Christmas having beers on the beach with thousands of Californians. No snow, no Christmas trees, no lights, just partying on the beach with Santa hats. I really said, I can get used to this. You don't get that in New York.
1: You're right. And it doesn't have to be Christmas the way Christmas is every time. The same tree in the same room with the same songs and the same snow or not. Sn- like, you're right.
2: Very different. Very cool. I'm all about
1: new experiences. All right. So we got to go back to diving a little bit before we close out this episode. Wow. So give me another good dive story so, or, or okay. uh, other good places where people should go to dive. Let's do that, too. So, Grand
2: Cayman. Very nice. You get off. You could even walk around. It's one of the richest ports. Very nice. Uh, nicely well built. Has a lot of money there. Grand Cayman's nice. Anywhere in like the Red Sea, if you can deal with all the salt, that's where you're going to see a lot of whales, a lot of octopuses. You know, you're going to Different oceans have just different wildlife. And when I try to tell people, you got to remember when you're in the water, fish never stop. They don't really have one home. So when you see a big giant reef, that's normally a pit stop or a truck stop per se on the expressway. So people swim around forever and always wonder why I post up in the middle of nowhere like on a rock because... Fish have to sleep and rest and eat too. So anywhere near a rock in the middle of nowhere is normally what they call a junction for fish. So you got to know a very happening place. We did the Mayan ruins in Mexico underwater. That was amazing. When I mean amazing, I mean I was awed. I did it when I was like 21 years old. I would love to go back and do it again as I'm older now and that I can stay down longer. Because now I have equipment Mm -hmm. that I'm down like, you know, I can stay down for like an hour at a time now because I'm so comfortable. Before, I'd be down for 15, 20, 30 minutes. They'd call me the little air hoggy. (laughs) The air hoggy. And my nose would be like this in the mask, man. They don't make Italian masks for these Dago noses. They do not. (laughs) Mine would be crushed too.
1: (laughs) No doubt, dude. That's so funny. All right, so uh, another good quick story to end. Wait, oh, you're talking a about a brothers
2: on. messing with you. So my, one of my first couple dives, my brother tried putting all this tactical gear on me. Because you notice when the scuba divers go down, they got all this gear on. I'm the opposite. I come down from New York. I'm not scared of nothing. I'm in the, the Italian tuxedo, the wife beater, uh-huh. and a pair of gym shorts. And they jump in the water. And everyone's like, you don't have a skin on. You don't have a backup knife. You don't have backup air or a compass. So, dude, I follow you guys. You got all that. So we get down in the water and what happens first, because I don't dive as much as these guys that dive every weekend, Mm -hmm. I get real like anxious to go see everything. So as soon as we get in the water, you're supposed to wait for the whole team to get in the water and leave together. I'm like the first one in the water all the time. because I'm so anxious. I got all my gear on before we even get there. So I'm in the water first and I've already swam around the whole thing that everyone's about to swim around before they even everyone's down there and they get going. I decided to swim into a dark cave and the instructor grabbed me, told me, no. And I'm just, nobody tells me no. So I go right into that cave. No flashlight, no nothing, pitch black. Bam, something knocks my mask off. I got no idea what it is. But at this point, it's, it's sandy. It's dusty. I can't see anything. I put the mask on. I blow out with your nose. That's how you get the water out of your mask. When you just watch the water level go. So now I'm back on. I can see straight. I'm in a whole cave of sharks. Now the guy behind me's got a flashlight behind me trying to show... Shark comes, hits me. I ended up riding out a shark out of that cave. My brother, you could hear him when you go on the channel, laughing at me the whole time underwater, (laughs) (laughs) underwater laughing bubbles, and you can totally see me. Pale as white as a ghost, don't know what to do, and sharks coming through my legs. Um, and there, I think there was like eight of them. You'll see in the video that came out. Now they were only nurse sharks, but still at five six feet. When you bump into them face first, and your mask comes off, and you turn back on, you're hundred feet down. It's an experience where, and my brother loves that story because he could actually hear him laughing at me underwater. <laughs>
1: That would be best. That would be how we would be too. Uh,
2: and it's one of the first videos when you go on because being my brother wants to show off. He loves it. Oh yeah. But very cool things with feeding eels, picking up starfish. We put on the chain uh, arms and uh, feed, the, feed some sharks. You don't get stuff every time you go down, but you still see stuff that you've never seen before, even if it's vegetation or plant life or coral per se, which is still moving and has so much action and such neon colors and it's just so beautiful.
1: Excellent. We've covered a lot today. So first, all your social media places where people can find anything you'd like to put out there for you, whether it's your artists, drones. Okay. Or-
2: I am grandson.com. And then it's grandson1013 on Instagram, at grandson1013. And my Instagram is at Vinny with a Z. That name came right from management at Free Bands, all the uppers. So if you guys know who Free Bands is, that's Casino's Click, and his brother is Future. Which is a very well known bang. The other guys they hang out with Young Thug, Zoe Dollars, Doughboy, Scooter. These are all big names that's part of free bands in Atlanta. Excellent.
1: Good and uh, YouTube channel, one more time
2: Anthony Veeley.
1: For the Uh, scuba diving. And for uh, the mechanical contractors, for your plumbing, what do you got?
2: That's just uh, my card there, CAV. But uh, you can go to, for my drone business, demandadrone.net and really see what's going on with the thermal and see some of the companies we're working with, some stuff we've done around Rochester. Very cool.
1: I'm excited. So we didn't even touch base. BJ Mackay is an old friend of mine. She is from a Scottish family here in Rochester that, that is grad, came to Rochester, New York. She's one of the few master plumbers in Rochester.
2: Female master plumbers. Yes.
1: Uh, she is. Um, you know, ha- has a partner. Uh, they have a couple kids, uh, a couple girls that are, were good friends of my daughter growing up. They lived right next door to me. Uh, women plumber. Come on, say a little bit about BJ. I, she's such- I just did a job with G- BJ.
2: She works just as hard as any guy. I got to tell you, 50? she's a hard worker. She's in her 50s. She's still going every day. And she ain't just doing regular work, guys. She's threading pipe. She's going up on the ladder. I mean, she's breaking stuff. She She's she's a she's a worker. Hold on, I got there. I just did the U-Haul with her on East Ridge Road. Shout out to BJ. And her daughter was there. Oh, you had uh, Daniel there? Daniel was there, yeah. Oh,
1: that's so cool.
2: So Yeah, no, I met them through other friends of the union. And that shows you how strong some of the unions are here in Rochester, especially the plumbers' union.
1: That's true. And it is like a tight knit organization. I mean, I just, I heard he was a plumber. I just brought up BJ McKay. Bam. Right away.
2: Local 13 has been trying to hire me for a long time. I know a lot of those guys over there and just owning my own business and stuff. You know, it's one of those, it's tough to go to work for someone else when you've been doing it on your own. And there's no reason to change. No, but I go a lot of those guys. got a lot of friends that are in the union. They're good guys, man. It's a brotherhood over there.
1: So shout out to Local 13 as well. Shout out to Local 13. Make sure we did that. Uh, so thank you, Clark, for taking the time today. Thanks for having me, man. Like, come on, like, anytime
2: you guys need anyone to come on here and spit on the mic.
1: Oh, no doubt, and, <laughs> and we we will definitely follow your artists and uh, your drone business. Um, I'm definitely going to become. I'm going to try to get you some, some tickets.
2: tickets. September 15th, Darien Lake. That's the coming the closest thing to Rochester. Meek Mill Future Tour. Come see the free bands.
1: Bob and I will be there that night, no doubt. I'll
2: drag his old butt with me. I'll get the guys to come out. I can't get everyone back in VIP, but I can get some of the artists to come out and meet my friends and family. And yeah, then you can take some that. pictures, then social media, and maybe sign some stuff.
1: Sounds good. I'm not a VIP guy, I just like to meet new if I meet your family, we're all good. That's
2: cool, man. Yeah. I appreciate it. Anna's
1: the one who needs to get in the VIP. She's that she's that girl. She's the one who gets in there and gets us all that. And she's been in there. I seen
2: some of in a pictures. She does big things. It's amazing who she meets. I cannot wait.
1: All right, folks. Get back. It's summertime. Remember, we got another two-week break. Then you'll be back next two Fridays, but for now, get your butts out, explore, enjoy the sunshine, get that cannabis plant in your life healthy, please, the right way. Don't sit on that couch and that boob tube. If the TV is bigger than the bookshelf, man, that was the best line of the night, I think, by far. I've been reading, don't sweat the small stuff, everything is small stuff to my grandson. I got the eye roll from my ex wife about it, but at the end of the day she goes, can I have it when you're done? There you go. It's all about reading, folks. Read to your kids. Get away from that TV. Thanks, and have, have a good couple weeks, everybody. Thanks a lot. I know.